I'm Renee Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. Make sure that you like and subscribe to our weekly sermons so that you don't miss what is happening here at Bethel Austin. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. And most of all, we pray that you would have an encounter with the living God today. God is so good and he is so near. And he has been burning a message in my heart for some weeks. I wasn't here in the service last night. How many of you were here last night? Yes. Amazing. I love all the double dippers that are back. Well, I heard what Pastor Eddie was preaching. I was like, oh my goodness. Well, we are right in sync (laughs) with these messages. And so today... I'm just going to jump right in because I have a lot to share and I want to make sure that I have plenty of time. So, guys, we're in a war. There is a war raging around us for our health, for our families, for our children, for our future. The enemy wants us to get focused on the actual situation, circumstance, person that's right in front of us so that we are not aware of the battle that is raging in heavenly places. I'm going to have to put my glasses on. I'm certain of that. So here we go. (laughs) You know, our enemy is tricky, but he's not very original and he's not very creative. He's had the same plan for thousands of years. It's to steal, kill, and destroy us. And today, we are going to peel back heaven, and we are going to get strategies from heavenly places to defeat the enemy and to walk in victory. Anybody there? (laughs) Come on. My husband loves a good title, and he spends lots of time on his titles. Me, not so much. I didn't spend any time on this one, but I love it, okay? So it is called Armed and Dangerous. Because <laughs> we need to be prepared to stand firm in victory. And that's what I want to talk about. So I'm going to start with a story. I'm going to take us back in time, okay? Back to 2001, over 20 years ago, Shane and I had been married for nine years, We'd been pastoring our first church in Palestine, Texas for seven years. We had three children, ages five, three, and one. And God was starting a transition in our lives in that season. And we were leading ministries. We were seeing things shake in our city. I mean, it was an amazing season, but we knew transition was coming. And God was sending us to New York City. It was August 2001, so if you think back to September 11th, 2001, so this is a month prior, everything is coming to culmination of this is the next place that God is going to plant us, and fear gripped my heart, and I was like, whoa, I have three babies, how's this going to (laughs) work? I grew up in Palestine since I was two years old. We were high school sweethearts. I could go to Walmart, the grocery store, to the post office, and I knew 10 to 15 people every single place that I went. 
And all of a sudden, God is saying, I'm going to take you from 18,000 people that you feel very comfortable with, and I'm going to drop you in a city of 8 million. And all of a sudden, and I've never been to New York, guys. My perception was the movies. (laughs) Yeah. Shane would go and take teams, and every time he would come back, he'd say, babe, it's a beautiful place to visit. I would never want to live there. It's like, what about that? But let me tell you something. In that season, God said, I'm going to train your hands for war. And I met a group of women there that were powerful women. And I'm telling you, I was leading prayer meetings in Palestine that were powerful. And we were seeing heaven shake. But when I stepped foot in New York City, where over, what, 300 languages spoken just in our borough of Queens... And so you can imagine every god, every deity, every foul thing is worshipped in that place. And so the spiritual climate was darker than anything I had ever experienced in my life. And I realized this battle is raging. And I need to tap into heavenly places and pull on Jesus, like I have never pulled on him before. So I got invited to this meeting. It was called When Women Pray. The first meeting, I show up, and uh, we take the train into Manhattan. It's in the back of Carnegie Hall. We're walking up these stairs. It's nighttime, and I, I hear something. Like, I hear something happening, and I'm like, where are we going? And I walk in, and these women are in full on army fatigues, combat boots. And they are going after it. And my eyes are this big, and I'm like, oh, Toto, we are not in Kansas anymore. Like, what is happening? And they got some steps, you know, and I'm just like, I'm trying to get in step. And my friend that brought me, she's like, get over here. I'm like, I am trying. And I, I mean, I was a little afraid of them. So I was like, I need to be on your team because I want to fight with you because you, I feel heaven shifting over this dark place that I have been in so afraid. All of a sudden, fear is lifting off of me. And I was like, there is something to this. And they began proclaiming Ephesians chapter 6. So I want you all to stand to your feet. We are going to read eight passages together out loud. Here we go. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. 
in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. That is a good word right there. You know, this passage of the armor of God, there are six pieces of armor, and we're going to leave this passage up the entire message, and we're going to refer back to it. But there's one secret weapon that I think we miss, and it's right there in verse 18, and it says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Do you know prayer is a piece of the armor? It's literally the glue that holds all the pieces together. It is literally what activates all the other pieces. Prayer. So powerful. Do you know that when Paul wrote Ephesians, it said by one scholar that I read that there are 55% more passages of prayer than in Paul's longest book, which was Romans. There's more actual prayers in this book. He just breaks out in prayer. It is so powerful, and it's strategic if you look at these prayers. And so prayer is that mechanism that brings down the power of heaven into your experience, into your circumstance, into your situation. And victory in this battle that we're in is always, always, always achieved through prayer. If you don't have an active prayer life, there are problems. (laughs) And I want to encourage you today to understand this secret weapon that we have to overcome all of those dark places that we just read about. Prayer is literally the connective tissue between you and heavenly places. We are seated in heavenly places. And that is where the battle is won. And we need to pull on heaven. Fervent, effective prayers will shut down the enemy. In Jesus' name. Let me tell you, I know it true. I know it true. So let's start with that first piece of armor that we see in verse 14. It says, stand therefore having fastened on The belt of truth. Listen, our enemy is the master deceiver. Deception is his game. What is the opposite of deception? Truth. There is a reason that Paul lists this first. Okay, he he gives us these pieces of armor in the way a Roman soldier would have put them on. Listen, 
belts, I mean, many of us, especially ladies, like they're accessories, right? It's like after the fact, like, oh, this would be cute. Let me wear this. This is not that kind of belt. This belt, I want you to think about those lumbar supports that like, you know, FedEx workers or like Home Depot, you know, to support your back. It's to support your core. That's what this belt is all about. Many scholars actually say that the belt was the one piece of the Roman soldier's armor that distinguished him as a soldier from a civilian. That piece, with all of its intricate design, the width of it, its leather, all the buckles, all the aspects of it, that is what, when the enemy saw it, oh, he's a soldier. Now think about that in our kingdom sense, the truth of God that will literally come against every lie that the enemy wants to hurl at us. Truth is in Jesus. That's what Ephesians 4.21 says. Truth is in Jesus. It's that unchanging standard that we live by. We have to commit to it, not just reading it. We have to commit to living by this unchanging standard of the word of God. We've got to align every decision, every attitude, every aspect of who we are to the truth of Jesus. So how do we put on this truth? You commit yourself to the standards of God's word. You daily, repeatedly let God align your decisions, your responses, and your attitudes to his truth. That is how we put on this belt of truth. We've got to continually learn about his character and his nature by getting in the word. We've got to spend time in his presence, guys, on our own, not just here, in the secret place, tapping in to the truth of who Jesus is. Listen, just because you read the Bible doesn't mean you've chosen to live by its standard. And you know when you know this? When culture comes against the truth of God. And we are living in a day and age where culture is saying something completely opposite. And that is when you know, I have girded myself with truth. Because I'm standing firm on this foundation. I'm not allowing culture to dictate what is right and what is wrong. Remember, our enemy is a deceiver. He's tricky, not real creative, not very original. He can make things appear luring. We've got to have truth in our lives. Okay. You know, I I love... um, This is a funny little quick story. In 1998, I was a uh, 
aerobics certified instructor. Step aerobics, you know, grapevine to the right, grapevine to the left, you kind of over and under. I love exercise. I love group exercise. And now my sister-in-law is here. She got me into this. I love bar three. She was an instructor. She took me to one of her classes. We do a lot of planks. We do all these things to strengthen our core. Listen, in the 90s, we called them abs, you know, abs of steel and all these things. But we realized, I think, as we study human anatomy, there's more to the core than just your abs. You've got to strengthen your lats and your back, and everything is attached together. And a strong core in the natural helps us stay erect, right? It keeps us standing strong. There's so many things in the natural about this belt of truth that's keeping us solid on the foundation. And it's the same with our physical core. There is strength there that we've got to tap in to the word of God. Okay, breastplate of righteousness. Let's look at the second half of verse 14. It says, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. The heart is a vital organ, right? It must be guarded. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for everything you do flows from it. Listen, Roman soldiers knew that they had to protect their upper body. And literally this breastplate of righteousness went from their neck down to their thighs to protect their vital organs, specifically their heart. Because one blow to the heart meant life or death. Listen, our hearts are comprised of several aspects of who we are. We know that we're body, soul, and spirit, right? Our soul is our mind, our thoughts. Our will, our ambition, our emotions, our feelings. And the central part that holds all that together in Scripture, our heart. So the enemy wants to come after your heart. And we have got to protect ourselves with this breastplate of righteousness. And let me tell you something. Jesus paid the ultimate price For you and for me. He died on the cross for us. He paid the ultimate price. The penalty of sin was removed from our lives. And the gift of God's righteousness was credited to our spiritual account. Through the cross. And listen, Jesus' righteousness declares you innocent before all of your accusers. Not your righteousness, his righteousness. It's Jesus's righteousness. So listen, how do we put this on? I mean, the Roman soldiers, like I said, it was fitted actually onto the belt. So think about that. The righteousness is hinged on truth (laughs) because the weight of this had to be distributed not just on your shoulders but throughout your body so that the actual Roman soldier's breastplate of righteousness, it was made of metal, usually bronze, 
had a leather sheath-like garment, part of it as well. And all of these layers were to protect the vital organs. And that is what the righteousness of Jesus does for us. Listen, righteousness is also walking in a manner worthy of Jesus. Listen to that. Walking in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. That's what Ephesians 4, 1 says. We are righteous because Jesus' righteousness defines us. It literally declares us innocent before our accusers. We've got to put on his righteousness. You know what righteousness, right living also does? No accusation can come against you. Think about that. You do something a little questionable. You walk into a place you shouldn't be. You look at something you shouldn't. You crack the door open for accusation. You are literally inviting the enemy to come in and to accuse you of wrongdoing. But when we are walking in a way, in a lifestyle that is right before Jesus, we're taking on that righteousness of him, we close the door to all accusation. Remember, our battle is not against flesh and blood. There is a war raging over us coming against us. I'm hoping to peel back your eyes to be able to see because we, if we can't see what we have access to, how do we know how to implement it? We have to know what's our inheritance so that we can walk in the victory. <laughs> okay, shoes of peace. Verse 15 says, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. I love shoes. Anybody else? <laughs> All the women said, hallelujah. Yes, we have a daughter that I think packs an extra suitcase just for shoes. It's like I need one for this outfit, one for this outfit. And, you know, there are certain shoes that are geared for specific activities, right? How many of you went to Port A a few weeks back? A couple of you? Yeah, some of you? Okay, we went to Port A and... Um, I threw in all the flip-flops, you know, all the normal beach attire. We also took our dog with us to Port A. And every morning, I walk my dog. That's our time together. I spend time with Jesus. I listen to the word. I do all kinds of things with my dog. And it's fun to do it on the beach. But that trip, I forgot my tennis shoes. So first morning, I get out on the beach, or I'm walking to the beach with my dog in my flip-flops. It was okay but not as effective as if I were wearing the right shoes. Okay, there are shoes that we need for this battle. And peace is our portion. <laughs> Listen, Paul talks about peace more in Ephesians than any other piece of the armor. In fact, there are 49 different scriptures in just the book of Ephesians talking about Peaceable relationships. Guys, I teach communication. That's my profession. I'm a consultant. I love helping people learn how to communicate. Conflict is real. We're humans. We can say things incorrectly or people hear us in a different way. Peace 
is needed now in our society more than ever. More than ever. So the enemy wants to steal our peace. In fact, it's at the top of his list. He intentionally stirs up discord, disappointment. He's constantly working to steal our peace. And specifically with people. In our relationships, in our marriages, with our children, with our friends, with sisters and brothers in the body of Christ. That's at the top of his list. Listen, peace is a person. (laughs) The Prince of Peace, Jesus. And he can step into situations where there's chaos and confusion. We cannot survive the storm without God's peace. We cannot. Shalom. We've all heard that Hebrew word, right? It's all throughout the Old Testament. It does not refer to the absence of chaos. In fact, shalom is this deep sense of harmony, health, and wholeness in the middle of chaos. In the middle of confusion. So when things are going crazy all around you, (laughs) when everything feels like it's coming against you and you remain steadfast, when there is disappointment, when there's confusion, and you're still walking in peace, guess what? You're wearing the right shoes. (laughs) You have been fitted with the preparation of the gospel of peace. It's a peace that will blow your mind, honestly. It's beyond comprehension. I talked about living in New York City with those babies. Let me tell you something. God is faithful. (laughs) We made it. (laughs) They're all surviving. And in fact, one lives there now. (laughs) In the midst of chaos, in the midst of confusion, in the midst of everything swirling around you, you can stop and pray Get your eyes off of the circumstance, guys. Turn your heart to heaven. When you feel that, you know what I'm talking about, right? We all know that, that unsettling, your, your chest gets tight. Maybe it's a pit in your bottom of your stomach and you're just like, oh, dreading. That is the moment that you do. Verse 18, <laughs> you pause. You turn your head toward heaven and you pray in the spirit, and you give thanksgiving to the Lord. That is how you change your circumstances and get your eyes off of the situation, and you connect with heavenly places, and you pull on peace. Let me tell you something about this peace. First of all, it's true, it's everlasting, and it never disappoints. You know, Roman soldiers had shoes that had cleats in the bottom of them. And they had, you know, laces up. But the the interesting part is this leather, thick leather piece, but with these hobnails is what they were actually called. And they were to grip the terrain. And when the soldiers were in formation, many times they were shoulder to shoulder, 
walking in linear lines. And if you think about it, what would the noise be like if there were a thousand soldiers with those shoes coming down a rocky road? You would hear them coming, right? You would hear that sound. Let me tell you something. That noise, it's intimidating, The enemy does not want us walking in peace. Peace is intimidating to our enemy. Unity, listen to me, this is so important. Where there has been division and you work through it and you are unified on the other side, that sends all kinds of noise into the enemy's camp. Because you're saying, no, I am standing here Locked in with my sister and brother, I'm preferring them, and we are going to get to the other side of this, and we are going to put on our shoes of peace. If hurt or anger is lingering between you and someone else, let me tell you something. The peace of God wants to be that bridge to gap that division. You can pull on it. It's healing. It's restoring Unity, where there was once division, puts Satan in his place, which is under your feet. So how do we put on peace? Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. That is key. Thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds. God's peace calms our emotions. God's peace settles our minds. God's peace will cool your sharp tongue. It'll also make you a little more pleasant to be around. Bless you. (laughs) So listen, when you feel fear or anxiety creeping into your heart, that is your cue to turn your attention to God. And to pray, to give thanks, to trust him, and watch him do what only he can do. Okay, these next three pieces, the language changes. They're action-oriented. These first three are like the uniform we're supposed to be wearing every single day. Okay? Truth, righteousness, peace. That's what we walk in every day. These next three, you'll see there in verse 16, it says, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which will extinguish the flaming darts of the enemy. I love the shield of faith. I love that we were singing about God being our shield. Listen, Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is an action. It's not me talking about it. It's not me thinking about it. It's me walking in it. It's a lifestyle, guys. My behavior, my decisions, my lifestyle, it all has to line up with what God has asked me to do. Listen, Noah built an ark before he had ever seen it rain. Think about that. That takes faith. (laughs) That takes faith. Daniel, he was thrown into a lion's den. Their mouths were closed. 
Rahab, the children of Israel. Go read Hebrews. There's a whole hall of faith that is telling you what faith looks like in action. Faith is us moving to New York City not knowing what the outcome was going to be. We had family members, we had friends tell us we were crazy. We were a little bit. (laughs) But we had faith in Jesus and assurance. Remember faith, that assurance of what he had called us to. The act of faith is what becomes your shield. And listen, let me tell you about this shield. It's not that small little kind of like trash can size, you know, like Captain America shield. It's really cool in the movies. This shield was like a door, literally two feet by four feet. Wood that's fastened together, covered in a canvas, covered in leather with metal, iron on the center and all around the sides. They say that when a warrior was being attacked, he could literally crouch down and that shield would literally protect his entire body. The shield is also a fire extinguisher. Do you see that? It will extinguish all the flaming darts of the enemy. Roman soldiers actually used to dip those in water when those fiery darts would come. Do you know the enemy shoots fiery darts at us not to kill us, because he can't, to distract us. Think about it. If there are little fires popping up everywhere, it takes your attention, and you got to go put that out, and there's chaos brewing behind it. We have to be wise enough to see when the fiery darts are being shot your way to hold up your shield of faith. It will literally extinguish every flaming dart coming your way. Listen, the enemy hopes to crush us with fear. I mentioned at the very beginning, I was afraid when we were moving to New York. He wanted me to stay in that place of fear, to drop my shield and to run. Because that's what fear wants us to do. But I did not. I got in the word of God. I got in his presence. I said, God, see if whatever is inside of me, let's deal with this. Because I want to trust you wholeheartedly. And he will meet you in that place, let me tell you. You know, there are over 300 scriptures. I know this by personal account. (laughs) Where the enemy tells us in, I mean, sorry, where God tells us in one form or another, fear not. 300 times. Be ye not afraid. Do not fear. Fear not. If you're looking for a word from God today, there's 300 of them right there. Don't fear. Do not be afraid. Okay, let's talk about our helmets of salvation. Verse 17, it says, and take the helmet of salvation. Guys, when we receive salvation, our eternity is sealed. (laughs) It's secure. We know that it redeems us. The word says... That we are to work out our salvation. This is what putting on the helmet literally does for us every single day. Any of you know Dr. Carolyn Leaf? 
She's amazing, right? I just want to read something. So those of you who do not, she studies neuroplasticity, which by definition is our brain's ability to recognize itself by, wait, 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 the brain's ability to reorganize, there we go, itself by forming new neural pathways and connections. Our brains are literally constantly renewing themselves. She helps people understand the effects of toxic thinking and really helps us stand firm in getting our thinking aligned with the Word of God. And she's also correlated that thoughts actually affect our physical health and our mental health. And I love it. She says, our thoughts occupy mental real estate. Thoughts are active. They grow and change. Every time you have a thought, it's actively changing your brain and your body for the better or for the worse. Come on, there's scriptures that are our battle plan for defense against the enemy's attempts to infiltrate our minds. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divine power to destroy strongholds, to destroy arguments, lofty opinions raised against the knowledge of God, and to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That is what putting on your helmet does. And then Romans 12, 2, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We have that ability. And brain science is now showing us that our brains are literally being rewired. Your identity is your weaponry. Putting on the helmet is knowing who you are in Christ. Fortifying your thinking and living in a way that confirms it. We're almost done, guys. The last piece of armor. The sword of the Spirit And look at this. This is the only one that Paul actually tells us what it is, which is the word of God. And when you look this piece of armor up, it's not the broad sword, the big sword that you may think about. It is the tiny little dagger. It's double-edged. It's very, very sharp. It's literally used for hand-to-hand combat. Have you ever felt like the enemy is right in your face? That is when you pull out the sword of the Spirit, God's Word. It's His Spirit working on your behalf. That is when you lean in to that piece of the armor. Listen, I started with this and I'm going to end. Verse 18, this is the secret weapon that we all have that holds all of this together. The truth, his righteousness, peace, holds all of that together. Faith, salvation, word of God, it's through prayer. Praying at all times in the spirit. We've got to keep alert. We've got to persevere, make our supplications made known. Again, prayer is that connective tissue between you and heavenly places we got to pull on it because we have full access. 
We have full access to the power of our Father. That is our inheritance. Don't get your eyes fixed on what is happening right in front of you. Tilt your head to heaven. Ask God to show you in the spirit how to fight because we have divine weapons that are powerful and we are in a war. Let's pull out these weapons and let's get busy. Let's walk in victory. Listen, my prayer is that God would make us fierce warriors in his kingdom because we are armed and we are dangerous. And I want to link up with each one of you. And listen, Eddie announced this this coming Wednesday. We have an opportunity to come together and pray for our city. Listen, I'm going to be here from 12 to 1. I would love for you to take your lunch hour and come up here on Wednesday and let's link arms, hold up our shields of faith, and fight on behalf of our city. Come on, we're going to see things shift as we go after praying. So I want to end with this prayer. So why don't you stand to your feet? I'm going to read literally Ephesians chapter 3. This is Paul's prayer, and this is my prayer for us. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, we may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.